He's to the 11th chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 11. And in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand and follow along in your Bible as I read, beginning with verse 1 down through verse 3. And I want to speak this evening on this subject, positive influence. Not all that is influential in the world is positive. In fact, there is a great deal of negative influence in the world. The airwaves, radio, television, the newspapers, all are filled right now with discussions about what has happened in Littleton, Colorado. Why would uh, young men undertake such a tragic, seemingly meaningless endeavor, ending in the loss of not only the lives of many others, but their own lives as well. And everybody has their own slant on this. Uh, I hope that in the midst of it all, we will not lose the sight of the fact that in spite of all the things that may have influenced these young people, uh, they still are personally responsible. We have uh, in our nation right now this kind of idea that nobody's ever responsible for what they do. It's always someone else's fault what you do. On the other hand, I do think it's important for us to understand that uh, somehow in their lives, they obviously received negative influence. I uh, read a poll recently which uh, indicated that over 50% of the individuals who committed violent crimes were also avid watchers of television. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the recent studies done by none other than the Surgeon General's office indicate the influence, the negative influence of the media in the lives of so very, very many people. Well, this evening I want to speak on the subject of positive influence. Positive influence. Now, let me just make a couple of comments, uh, two or three comments here. Uh, before we stand together and read the scripture. If you're a guest here this evening, let me just say that on Sunday mornings and evenings, we are plowing through the book of Exodus. What an exciting book. We've come now to chapter 11, actually. Last Sunday, we looked at chapters 5 through 11. And we've come to that point when Moses is standing before Pharaoh and announcing the last of the ten plagues which God is going to use to ultimately set the stage for Israel's deliverance. On Wednesday evenings when we gather, each Wednesday evening during this study, I'm taking the liberty to go back into the text of the previous week, draw out a verse or two which uh, may raise a question or present a subject to us which otherwise we might overlook as we sort of gallop through the book of Exodus. There's so much here in this wonderful book, we don't want to overlook anything unless necessary or anything that God has for us. And um, so I'm going to ask you, if you will, please to stand with me as we begin reading verse 1 of Exodus chapter 11, thinking together about influence. And the Lord said to Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh. Now, already the water has been turned to blood. The land has been infested with frogs and then lice, flies, cattle disease, boils, uh, pestilence, hail really is what... Uh, that was all about a swarms or swarms of locusts, uh, intense, thick darkness. And this, in addition to some other signs and wonders 
which Moses had already performed, he and Aaron had already performed. And Pharaoh, of course, started out with a hard heart, and God simply cooperated and hardened his heart. And so he says, I'm going to bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And then after that, he's going to let you go from here. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out from here altogether. He said, in other words, he's not going to just let you go. He's going to kick you out. Speak now in the ears of the people. Let every man borrow his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver, jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Now look, here is the, here's the text for this evening. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And look at that again. Moreover, the, land, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. How did that happen? Moses has meant nothing but trouble virtually the entire time that he has come back as an 80-year-old man to the land of Egypt. He has meant nothing but trouble. But still, as Egypt lies or lays devastated uh, from one plague after the other, and as the children of Israel have themselves had to work their fingers to the bone because of Pharaoh's anger, Moses remains very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Father, I pray, trusting that you'll show us keys to influence. Help us all to realize that in one way or the other, we are each influential. And Lord, I pray that you'd show us how important it is to be of positive influence in a society that is filled with so many negatives, so many things which demean and debase and debilitate so many things which would distract us from uh, your purpose, your plan. So many things which would could be used to destroy your ultimate uh, desires for our lives and our own hearts. And yet, Lord, you have put within us the privilege of uh, being influenced in a positive way. So that ultimately, Lord, your will is worked out in our hearts and lives. And Father, I pray, trusting that you would open our eyes to this truth as we study your word tonight. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. We're going to think together, as I said, about positive influence. Positive influence. Now, I don't know how many of you are interested in the subject of leadership. I meet people every once in a while who have long ago ceased being interested in that issue. And that's sad because... Uh, Someone is following you. There is someone who, who listens to you, someone who is influenced by you. And let me just say the bottom line is this. Leadership equals influence. They're one and the same. If you have no influence in a person's life, then you cannot lead that person's life. If, and that's very important to understand. I have a friend who told me years ago, Jack Sheppy, who is an administrator of a church I pastored over in Tulsa, and he said, Tom, he said, here is the basic principle of leadership. If you're leading and nobody is following, you're not really leading. You're just taking a walk. And uh, th there are a lot of people who get out there and just sort of, sort of, they think they're leading and they're just taking a walk. Why are they not leading? Because nobody's following. They're not influencing anyone. And leadership is influence. 
And there is a desperate need for you and for me to be concerned about the influence we have, the positive influence, the godly influence we have, and we should exert it in a proper fashion. Yesterday, uh, one of our dear church members is a, uh, a member of a, a student in a class over at uh, uh, Oklahoma City Community College. And so uh, Ms. Gathright is in a course called Introduction to American Business. And she uh, entered into a discussion with one of her professors who subsequently invited me to come and, and basically turn the class over to me, a business class, for, for two hours. During that time, uh, I asked the class uh, if they had questions. And it was very interesting. Most of the questions had absolutely nothing to do with business. They had to do with business ethic. They had to do with spiritual issues. Now, here are students in a business class asking questions about spiritual issues, um, about things such as simple as sin and salvation and, and issues which uh, impact every one of us. Well, during that discussion, the, the thought occurred to me that every one of these students in this class has influence. They touch the lives of other people. And the lives which they touch are either going to be better for that experience or they're going to be worse. And the same is true of you this evening. You touch, you influence the lives of others. And when people get around you and experience an interchange with you, whether it's a conversation or a friendship or whether you're ministering to them or teaching them in some fashion or whether you're a business associate, whether you're a neighbor, whether you're a fellow student, whatever it is, when you get around them and that experience takes place and then comes to a, conclu uh, to a conclusion, that individual either walks away a better person from having been around you or there has been sown into their lives something negative. Maybe all they heard from you was criticism. Maybe all they heard from you was whining. Maybe they all, all they heard from you was complaining. And so the influence that you had upon them was simply to show them a picture of, of the way Christians, at least as far as they think, Christians are. The whining, complaining, negative, and bitter. And that was one of the questions the students were asked. What about the influence of religion in politics? We had quite a discussion about that issue. Influence. Or your friends and your family members live with you or next door to you or work with you or go to church with you and because you are in their life, they are better people. You have influence. And we're thinking together tonight about positive influence. Do not confuse influence with popularity. Moses was not always popular. In fact, they were great stages in the life of Moses when he was very unpopular. People are fickle. People have bad memories. Forrest, was it you who told me that uh, you knew that people had bad memories because if people had good memories, no politician would ever be reelected? Was it you that told me that? I don't think, I, I, I think we discussed that. I'm not so sure. 
Not true in your case, but, uh, but, um, popularity is a fickle issue. Tonight we're thinking together about influence. The mark you leave on the life of other people. The mark you leave in your society. The mark you leave in your church. The mark you leave in your family. Sometimes when I'm doing family counseling, I look across the desk and I'm looking into the eyes of a person who for years has suffered abuse, verbal abuse, let's say, told constantly they're nothing, they're nobody, they can never amount to anything, they will never be any good, they're probably going to grow up and end up in jail someplace. And here's a person who's quite capable, quite bright, all the abilities that a person would want to have, opportunities abound for this individual, and yet for some reason they can't seem to grasp that life can be good. Why? Because somebody has had a negative influence in their life. Beat them down. Maybe not beating them up physically, but beat them down into the ground with their negative influence. So just ask yourself, as we look at this subject this evening for a few moments, ask yourself, Is my husband or my wife, my neighbor, my friend, these people I work with, are their lives better because I'm a part of their experience? Or am I just one more drain on a life that is already having difficulties? Are these people really better? When they walk away from me, do they love Jesus more? Do they have more enthusiasm? Are they more positive that their problems have a solution? Are they more excited about the future? Or do they walk away feeling so dismal and hopeless and helpless? Have I just heaped upon them more problems adding to the ones they already had? How am I using my influence? Now, Moses... Was, was not always popular. In fact, as I said, great moments of his life, great periods of time, he would not have won a popularity contest. But from this passive scripture we read just a few moments ago, Moses was a person of incredible influence. I mean, here, here is a man who can saunter down by the river and talk with Pharaoh virtually any time he wants to. He has an audience with the king of Egypt. Here is an individual who can stand up and speak to the children of Israel. They can all, to a man, disagree with him and yet still decide to follow him. Here is a man who, when he walks through the land of Egypt, cuts a swath because they know that in one sense he holds power of life or death over them. In all of Egypt, the Bible says, you will discover that this man Moses was very great. In the sight of Pharaoh's own servants. Here, was, here were the servants of the one man who was Moses' arch enemy. And yet, Moses was pretty big to them too. Incredible influence wielded by an 80-year-old man. So what's involved in having a positive influence? If you want to have a positive influence over your sons and daughters, your wife, your husband, if you really want to influence them positively... What needs to be a part of your life? What does it take? What is the price you're going to have to pay? Let me mention three things quickly, and then we come to a time of decision. First of all, influence requires preparation. I saw a cartoon one time that uh, 
amused me so much that I, I cut it out, and I think if I looked long enough in my files, I could probably find it. I don't normally cut out cartoons and file them away, but this one spoke volumes to me. Two stonemasons were standing in front of the Tower of Pisa. And uh, it wasn't leaning, it was just straight up and down, but you could recognize right off that it was the Tower of Pisa, later known as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And one stonemason, they were had trowels in hands, and uh, there were stones on the ground, and one stonemason was saying to the other, I skimped a little bit on the foundation, but nobody will ever know. <laughs> and here now we have a structure which is famous for its sinking foundation, its tilt. Please listen to uh, what I believe the Lord wants us to know this evening about preparation. You can have, without preparation, you can make a momentary impact on someone's life. You, you can startle a child, or you can shock a parent, or you can, you can bless or curse a fellow employee or employer. You can, there's a moment when you can make an impact. You, you, you like the, the ball player who, who, who one time catches a pass and carries it across the goal line and never again does anything. You, you for a moment, you can make them a little mark. You can, you can startle somebody, shock somebody, have an impact on their life. But that's not influence. See, influence involves steady pressure. We're going to see the issue of persistence in a little bit. Influence involves steady pressure. And, and you really can't rise above what you are below. Um... We're getting ready to remove a little cluster of oak trees from the front yard of our uh, our former home and transplanted over in the yard of uh, uh, Beth and Tony Cox. They, they want that tree in their yard. And uh, we were out there standing talking to the man who knows a lot about trees, and he was explaining, he said, you know... Um, the reason that this oak tree is like this above is because of what it is beneath the soil. As a matter of fact, he explained, he said, the tree is probably larger beneath the soil than it is above the soil. And you could see the influence of that tree. I mean, there are places where our driveway is cracked and places where there are some timbers on some landscaping uh, little landscaping projects which have been raised up because of a root that's, that's growing underneath the influence, you know. So it's not just the tree and just the shade. It's what it is beneath. Now, Moses was prepared by God. And not just at the hands of his mother who constantly whispered in his ear that he was a Hebrew, so much so that he took up an offense for the Hebrews when he was the age of 40, but for another 40 years... Moses was in the preparation mode. God was hammering away at his life, showing him how to be a leader, showing him how to be meek, showing him how to surrender, showing him things about human nature by putting together with a bunch of sheep. Moses probably thought, what in the world does this have to do, if anything, with what I'm going to do? I'm just going to die, I guess, an old shepherd, and I'll just be content to just be an old shepherd. But all of this was preparation. 
All of this was beneath the soil. That 80 years of preparation was so that he might lead, so that he might have positive influence for 40 incredible years. Two to one. Now, what am I saying about this? If you want to have influence on your child's life, or your husband's life, wife, you want to have influence down at work, you just can't blaze in there and haul off and just take a whack at stuff and expect everybody to fall over and worship you and accept what you say is the gospel. You're going to have to prepare. You, you can't arrive at work without having prepared. I know guys who, who get up in the morning, they, they, by the time they get to work, they, they know where every wreck in town is, they know where every bomb was dropped, they ever know where everybody's starving, where everybody's, they know all the bad news, they get to the office, they think they're going to leave a positive influence, but because they have not spent a moment in the scripture, their influence for God is zero. You can't skimp in the foundation. Ultimately, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Ultimately, you must reach way down deep in some roots embedded in something. And from that, you will get that which you transfer to other people. And if you don't have spiritual roots, if you haven't spent time with God, what you give them will have no positive influence. Preparation. Are you willing to see that a lot of what God is doing with you, maybe as in Moses' case, two for one is preparation? Now, the average high school football player, as an example, would like to do it one for two. One hour preparation for every two hours playing on the playing field. But the coach knows better than that, and that's not the way he works. Two for one. Ten to one. Twenty to one. All those hours of running and wind sprints and weightlifting and diet and everything else that they do so they can have those glorious moments on, on the field. And let me just say that if you're going to be a person of influence, a positive influence, it's going to require deep, deep spiritual preparation. Don't, don't ignore that. You just can't wake up in the morning and decide to be influential. You wake up in the morning, listen, and go to school. That's right. Secondly, if you're going to be a person of influence, you've got to be a person of principle. A principled person. The one thing about Moses that, that I most admire is that he was a man of principle. He was not a compromiser. He, he never was the kind of guy that was trying to cut a deal. He, he saw what God wanted. He pursued what God wanted at all costs. Now, in his lonely moments, we can often, and we'll see as we go through Exodus, we can often find Moses on his face before God saying, God, help. But out among the people, he is a man of principle. The one time, the one time when he abandoned principle was such a costly time for him. It cost him a journey into the promised land. But he was a man of incredible principle, un compromising, unwavering. Trees are like that. Trees grow according to their nature. 
Now, you can restrain them. You can take a pine tree, for instance, and you can put cords around the branches and tie them down and stake them into the ground, and you can make those branches bend down and uh, make it look like a willow tree for a little bit. But the moment you cut that restraint, because it's in the heart of that tree, in the nature of that tree, those branches are going to go back up. That's like principle. When you make up your mind that God's word is true regardless of what you think, that is to be obeyed regardless of the circumstances in your life, then and only then are you ready to enter into a discussion on principle. You see, principles are immutable. God's principles are immutable. That means they're unchanging. He's not going to say, you know, that was good for a while, but it's not good anymore. That law was good for a while, but that law doesn't, doesn't have any bearing anymore. Now, I understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, but we're talking about the principles of God that have to do with honesty and decency and love and charity and fellowship and obedience. We're talking about the principles of God. And you will never be a person of influence if you are no different than a flag that blows in the Oklahoma wind. Whichever way everybody wants to go, that's the way you're going to go. And if that's what it takes... You know what? We have become enamored in this country. In fact, the sad thing is that we have come to... Listen, we have come to a point in our nation where we are suffering the ravages of a popularity poll-driven leadership. Whichever the way, whichever way the wind is blowing, that's the way we'll go. Principle says it doesn't make any difference which way the wind's blowing. Right's always right. Wrong's always wrong. Never wrong to do right. Never right to do wrong. I will be a man, a woman of principle. Principle are like uh, principles are like the little roots of those flowers, which you say that's just a dandelion. But a dandelion can crack pavement. Isn't that interesting? Just let it, it just keeps on being what? Being this dandelion thing. It just stays with it. And if in your heart there are no principles, no divinely inspired, God-given principles, you will never have positive influence. Which brings me to this last issue. If you want to have positive influence, you're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to be, keep on being what God wants you to be. I, I, I just think about the persistence of Moses. You know, here was the rod and Pharaoh wasn't impressed. Okay, here's the water. Here's the frogs. And here's the lice. Here's the, the, the uh, cattle disease. Here are the flies and Here's the cattle disease, and here's the pestilence. And, you know, one trip after the other, he keeps coming back. He keeps hammering away, hammering away, hammering away. He's got to be asking God, God, why in the world don't you just get this thing over? Why didn't you give me plague number 10 first? Why don't you let me go in on number one and say, hey, uh, Pharaoh, everybody that's, you know, firstborn in every home is going to die. Why don't you just handle it like that, God? Why all this other stuff? But you don't find Moses asking that question. You find him to be just a persistent guy just hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging in there. Let me tell you something. If you want to have positive influence, you're going to have to be a persistent person. A uh, week before last, uh, Jeannie and I, along with uh, 
Joe and Dorothy Cox, John and Kathy Patton, went out to visit with uh, some friends of ours um, who had made it possible for us to uh, watch the Masters Golf Tournament, beautiful setting, and so we were watching that. While we were there, uh, I had the privilege of witnessing something that was very remarkable. Uh, the man who is our hostess, our host, and he and his wife, the hostess, um, invited us over to the house one evening. They're dear people. And he said, I want to show you something. He put on a video cassette of his daughter, grown daughter, singing a beautiful song in a worship service. And while that was being played, I, uh, the phone rang and I was asked to go back and, and sure enough, it was this daughter on the telephone. Now what, why am I telling you that? Because that privilege of seeing her and hearing her and talking to her on the telephone was the result of years and years and years of persistent praying for a girl gone bad. She had just lived like a hellion. She had broken her parents' heart. And they just kept loving, and they just kept praying, and they kept loving, and they kept praying. And she broke their hearts some more, and they kept loving, and they kept praying. And she broke their hearts some more. And you can say, well, was it the parents or was it the society? Well, the point is, she just kept breaking their heart, and they just kept praying. Whatever else was going on, she just kept breaking their heart, and they just kept praying. So one day, she walked in her old home church and said, you know something? I don't belong out there. I belong here. And God rescued her. Persistence. Influence requires persistence. Hammering, 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 hammering. Not nagging, but just being a principled, prepared person day in, day out. Praying, praying, pleading, pleading. Persistence. Most things in this world that are moved from one place to the other are moved by something that is persistent. Just chugging away, chugging away, chugging away. Persistence. Well, I don't know what kind of person you want to be. Maybe you don't want to have positive influence. Maybe you just want to haul off, take a lick at this or that or the other and hope people think you're wonderful. Don't count on it. Influence, positive influence, requires preparation, principle, persistence. So that you find standing there in a country that is devastated. The grain fields are withered, blighted from locusts, singed and smoked from the lightning. The people are stumbling around sick. From head to toe, the cattle have died. The very folks he was to deliver are angry with him for the most part. But still, in all the land of Egypt, nobody had more influence than Moses. Father, I pray you would put in our hearts to be men and women of influence so that we might touch the lives of others. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.